Welcome to the Come Follow Me For You and Me podcast, a weekly podcast following the Come Follow Me lessons from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Ashley Lottanon-Singchen. I'm excited to learn and grow with you as we all learn more about following the Savior. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Come Follow Me For You and Me podcast. This is episode two. And we are studying Alma chapter 13 through chapter 16. And the lesson title is Enter into the Rest of the Lord. And I'm very excited to be back. I feel like this has been a great week of hearing people's um, comments about the podcast and things that they've learned. And I feel like I've seen some tender mercies. And so I'm grateful that you're here listening. And I hope that you'll be able to feel the spirit today during this week's lesson. So I wanted to start before we dive into the lesson is just a quick explanation on what the Come Follow Me manual is. I've had a couple of questions or people that have reached out wondering about it. So I just wanted to give a quick explanation of what this is all about. So in January of 2019, um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as a whole throughout the entire world, we started studying from a, a manual called Come Follow Me, and it's all based on following Jesus Christ. And in 2019, we all started studying from the New Testament, and we did that throughout the whole year, and then we moved on, and now we're on to the Book of Mormon this year. And then we'll just continue through the um, standard works of the church um, the next year. So... This year, so what was given, the whole point of the the Come Follow Me curriculum is to help us to have more experiences and opportunities to teach about Jesus Christ and his gospel in our homes. So it really put a greater emphasis as families that we spend more time in the scriptures, that we don't just expect all of our spiritual learning to come on Sundays when we go to church, and then we come home and just forget about everything we learned about on Sunday. So it's meant for us to be more involved in the scriptures throughout the week so that we can increase our conversion to Jesus Jesus Christ personally and as a family. So I also feel like it's become a really important theme for us as members of the church since the pandemic started, since churches were canceled, we are no longer able to meet as a congregation. And so it's been, it's, I guess this is what's been used in place of church but it was interesting because we already had been doing this as families, and so it was kind of a natural transition into having church at home. So it's been a really neat experience to see how it was prophetic to come when it did and how it's blessed our families during this pandemic. So that's a quick explanation. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me, and I'd be happy to answer some more questions about that too. So we're going to take, as we dive into the lesson, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach to this week's lesson than follow exactly how the Come Follow Me manual points out some different topics. I was doing some re- or some study this past week, and I came across a Book of Mormon student manual um, study guide. And I really liked the way that this manual laid out Alma chapter 13 through 16, and they they pointed out some things that we can learn from it that I had not thought about before. And so that's the direction that I wanted to take this week. And I hope that's okay with those who are listening. But um, it gave us really neat explanation that Alma chapter 13 through 16 as a whole teaches us about the plan of salvation, which is, I guess, in um, super quick terms, where we came from, why we're here, the purpose of life, and where we're going. And I really liked that 
that perspective. So we're going to start from Alma chapter 13 and go through each chapter about what each chapter teaches us about the plan of salvation. So in Alma chapter 13, we are following Alma and Amulek still on their missionary journeys. And it's this is kind of a, a, a tough set of scriptures, I think, as their missionary journeys. They they have some really heartbreaking things that we'll go about, we'll talk about in just a little bit. But they are teaching the people at this point about the pre-mortal life. And as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that we lived before we came here on earth. That earth was not where everything began, but that we before we were here, we lived with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And so, which I think is a very powerful thing to to know and to, I guess, learn about our entire existence. So, I'm gonna we're gonna share three things that we can learn from this chapter about the premortal life, and my husband Mike is gonna help in a few different spots in today's lesson, and this is gonna be one spot he's going to help provide some insights and thoughts. So, I'm gonna share two things we learn about the premortal life, and he's gonna share the third thing. So. And obviously, there's probably many other things that you could learn about the premortal life from this chapter. So just the three things we share doesn't mean that's the only thing that you can learn, but these are just some three things that we thought of. So first of all, we learn the truth that we lived before we came to earth, which I don't know if that's a common belief amongst um, other faiths, but we we know from this chapter that, so Alma is talking about some high priest that are here on earth, some things that they did before they came here to prepare them to be high priest here on earth. So the first thing, like I said, is that we learned that we even existed, that we lived before we came here. And in Alma chapter 13, verse three, it talks more about that. And so I, I'm going to go into our second one as I read this one. But the second thing we learn is that we all made a choice before we came here. So in Alma chapter 13, there's a section of it where it talks about, I'll read it just in entirety, but it says, and this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge of God, on account of their exceedingly, exceeding faith and good works, in the first place being left to choose good or evil. Therefore, they having chosen good and exercising exceedingly great faith. I liked that particular section because, again, we learned that we had a choice. And as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that we did choose. We choose. We had a choice to either follow Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ or to not follow them. And it's hopefully everyone can understand that just by you being here means you made the choice to follow Jesus Christ. And now that we're here on earth... That's something we continue have to choose every day is if we want to continue to follow Jesus Christ. But I think that's a powerful thing that we have always had the ability to choose. And that's where it first began was in our pre-mortal life is if we wanted to follow Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. So now um, Mike's going to talk about the third thing and he's going to talk about the priesthood, which is something that the, is talked about in this chapter and something that the Come Follow Me manual goes into more detail about as about the priesthood that we learned. So Mike's going to share some thoughts. So the priesthood is the authority to act in God's name. And that authority allows those who hold the priesthood to do certain things uh, and to participate in certain things like teaching the gospel, leading the church, 
or and 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 the verse that I'm going to read is something called ordinances. Now, an ex- quick explanation: ordinances are rites, or is, is like a rite or a ceremony where you participate in something. So, for example, the sacrament, or in other faiths, it might be mass or the communion. Um, and then there's baptism. So these are just two of other, uh, several types of ordinances that uh, we, as members of the church, uh, or anyone, can participate in. And so. Let me read this verse. So with this priesthood, it allows us to do do certain things. So let me just read this verse. It's it's verse 16. Now these ordinances were given after this manner, that thereby the people might look forward on the Son of God, it being a type of his order, uh, or it being his order, and this that they might look forward to him for a remission of their sins, that they might enter into the rest of the Lord. So these ordinances... um, as this verse says, points us to Jesus Christ because it is only through him that we can receive, as the the end of the verse says, a remission of sins and also entering into the rest of the Lord, true rest. And so I'm thankful for these ordinances. Specifically, I'm going to talk about two, but one is baptism. Uh, being baptized in the church as a, a late teenager this was a great opportunity for me to feel like I could start a brand new life. When uh, we believe that when you're baptized, you go down into the water, and then when and and your old life is that's when your old life dies, and then when you come out, you begin a new life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this uh, and it's interesting that um, I just got done uh, with a lecture in my one of my history courses about the Protestant Reformation and. Uh, one of the tenets of the Reformation was this rejection of ceremonies and rites, seeing them as um, mundane or uh, just useless. But in the church, and, and this verse teaches it very well, that these ordinances, these rites and ceremonies that we participate in, have a, a strong and special meaning. And that uh, and with the priesthood, as, uh, as we participate in, in these ordinances, they draw us closer to Jesus Christ. They lead us to Him. And the other one I want to mention, and it is in connection with baptism, is the sacrament. Uh, through the priesthood, we uh, part- we participate in the ordinance of the sacrament uh, every Sunday at church. It allows us to renew the the covenants or the promises we made when we were baptized. And that's I think that's something I failed to mention when I was baptized and when everyone gets baptized, they enter into a covenant or a promise with God and God in returns promises certain blessings. And so knowing that we will make mistakes throughout the week on Sunday at church, this gives us a great opportunity to receive as this, um, the end of the verse says, this remission of sins, but also feeling peace again um, because it is only through Jesus Christ that we can be forgiven of our sins. And so this ordinance uh, that we participate in and that the priesthood um administers helps us to to draw closer to Jesus Christ. Great. So thanks, Mike, for sharing those thoughts. I thought it'd be appropriate since um, he holds the priesthood and that's what I was talking about to share some thoughts about that. But um, from here, I wanted to actually just bring up one thing really quick that the manual does talk about and a question that it does ask. It says, are priesthood holders the only people called and prepared from the foundation of the world? And in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, men are the one that, men are the ones that hold the priesthood. So, 
I like that question. Are men the only one that came to this earth with some special mission? And we believe that's not true, that men and women came to earth with special missions. And there's a quote in the in the manual by President Spencer W. Kimball, who's a former prophet, that I wanted to share. It says, in the world before we came here, faithful women were given certain assignments, while faithful men were foreordained to certain priesthood tasks. While we do not now remember the particulars, this does not alter the glorious reality of what we once agreed to. And I found that to be a really powerful statement that as women, we also have come to earth with special missions. And so to finish out chapter 13, our thoughts here, I wanted to leave a challenge with everybody to go and to study and read your patriarchal blessing this upcoming week. And a patriarchal blessing is something, it's a special blessing that's given from our Heavenly Father that helps us to gain a greater perspective of our each individual lives. It teaches us about who we can become from his perspective. So it's a really special um, and sacred blessing that each person can receive. So I would just encourage and challenge you to read that. I know that my particular blessing, when I read it, I found I find myself feeling more motivated to live a better life because I can see myself through Heavenly Father's eyes and I can see myself, I can see the potential I have and it does teach a little bit about the premortal life. So I would just leave that as a challenge as we close out this section to read your patriarchal blessing and to see what special mission Heavenly Father may have sent you to earth to do. Okay, so now we're going to go to Alma chapter 14 and out of all the chapters in this week's lesson, this one is pretty heavy and this one is pretty sad. And there's a lot I think that we can learn from this. So I also pray that the spirit is with us as we talk about this. It's a pretty intense section. But in Alma chapter 14, as I was mentioning before, that these particular chapters lay out the plan of salvation. This one I'm titling it is our earth, our here on earth, like the trials that we face here on earth, because Alma and Amulek in this chapter go through some very serious, hard trials. And they, they did at the beginning of chapter 14, we hear and we read that many people did believe Alma and Amulek and they, they changed as a result of that. But it talks about that, but the a majority of the people did not, and that they were angry with Alma and Amulek because they testified against their wickedness. And so as a result, they wanted to kill them. And I think this is something that we we learn a lot about as we listen, or we just read or learn about history, that a lot of people were were killed for their Christian beliefs. And so this is another place where that is going to happen. But Sadly, many of the people who did believe Alma and Amulek were put to death as a result of their of their belief. And so this is a pretty intense chapter that and so Alma and Amulek are eventually bound by cords and they are forced to watch um, women and children being burned for their belief in Jesus Christ. And along with that, they're also are forced to watch their sacred records or their scriptures to be burned as well. And so, obviously, I mean, just think about that. It's just so terrible. And it's so, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. And in chapter 13 or 14, verse 10, um, it reads, And when Amalek saw the pains of the women and children who, who 
were who were consuming excuse me let me start over and when amulek saw the priest the pains of the women children women and children who were consuming in the fire he was also pained and he said unto alma how can we witness this awful scene therefore let us stretch forth our hands and exercise the power of god which is in us and save them from the flames which i think would be an obvious thing that anybody would want to do and in the in the next verse verse 11 it says but alma said unto him the spirit constraineth me that i must not stretch forth mine hand for behold the lord receiveth them up unto himself in glory and he did suffer that they may do this thing or that the people may do this thing unto them according to the hardness of their hearts that the judgments which shall which he shall exercise upon them in his wrath may be just and the blood of the innocent shall stand as a witness against them yea and cry mightily against them at the last day and i think this is a it teaches a, a lesson here in this in this particular verse verses that we also can experience here on earth and as we know and as we just learned in our previous chapter the alma and amulek they held the priesthood of god they held the the authority and the ability to act in God's name here on earth. And so did they have the ability to stop this from happening? Absolutely. They did. And, but it's interesting how in in verse 11, Alma tells Amulek that he is constrained, that the spirit constraineth me that I must not stretch forth my hand. So I think this is an interesting, interesting idea to think about that, there's a lot of examples that we can think about in our personal lives, maybe, and then also in the lives of those that we love and that we may know of people experiencing really difficult things. And uh, obviously, I know when people do that, people pray for each other. And sometimes, despite all those prayers, things still don't go according to the to how we would hope they would go. I know I follow several examples, several Instagram accounts of really amazing families who have very terrible things happen to them. And obviously they pray that the Lord will bless them with a miracle. And at times people are granted miracles, but at times they're not as well. And this is, I feel like an example of a time when the Lord doesn't grant the miracle at that point, I guess in the way that we, we think that it should be done. And I think that's what's tricky about our life here on earth is that we obviously don't have the perspective of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ of why things um, are done the way they are, even though they they have a greater plan and a greater purpose for why things happen. So uh, Mike was also going to share some thoughts about this too. Um, so I'm going to turn over to Mike. Here you go. So to to echo... Ashley, this uh, this is uh, a very difficult chapter for um, for many to read, and and especially, I mean, for me as I read it, I I, I would have been like Amulek, um, uh, just to read verse twelve and thirteen going on. Um, now Amalek said unto Alma, Behold, perhaps they will burn us also. And Alma said, Be it according to the will of the Lord, but behold, our work is not finished, therefore they burn us not. And so I I think I would have been like Alma or sorry, like Alma Amulek and said, Why why don't we do something? Why don't we intervene? And just I've had 
friends that have struggled with mental health, with addictions, and also with tragedies, uh, death in the family. And then in our own life, and Ashley and I, uh, in our marriage and our lives, we've all had very tough experiences. And it's very, I think it's extremely easy to blame someone else or to blame God. I know that for me, I have often, I've often blamed God for, for a lot of things. And I, and I do understand that in many ways, this is counterproductive. Um, and as I share this, I also um, share this with myself as a reminder. And um, I tend to think, why, why wouldn't God take this away? Uh, I can think of many examples of having surgeries that were painful or and what the the one example the examples I want to talk about are just relationships we build relationships with people um specifically with the hopeful with the when we date people with the intent to get married and uh, there have been several relationships in my life where I really thought that this was that this relation particular relationship was going to go somewhere and I thought it was a righteous desire and I and yeah, a part of me definitely wanted it so bad, but a part of me also thought that this was the right thing and um, realizing that it didn't work out. And I think it was it's very painful to think of why me wanting something that is so good, why wouldn't God give it to us? And there are two lessons that I've drawn from this, but also from future trials um, that one it's faith is about is not so much about believing when good things happen it's believing when the answer is no and this may seem uh like the wrong thing to think especially um as as alma and amulek are mocked by by people in this chapter saying if God was so powerful, why wouldn't he do anything? And the other is, it's a great talk, and I wish I remember the name, but it's titled, But If Not. So we ask and we pray for things, but it's always good to say, but if not, I will still have faith in God's plan. And I'm, a, I'm an extremely impatient and anxious person and wish I had more control over my life in the sense that I want things to happen the way that I think are, is right. But it takes so much faith and patience. And I'm thankful f to have have the spirit, have the scriptures, have the, the gospel in my life as that foundation to really lean on when I have to wait. And I'm also thankful for my wife, Ashley, who's been a great example of faith in helping me. Um, so... I was going to say, hopefully, <laughs> about these past relationships not working out and how you wanted them to work out so badly, hopefully you're okay with how things did turn out. So, <laughs> um, but I just wanted to share some, I guess, some concluding thoughts about this. I think that one one example I, I've been thinking a lot about is of wanting certain a prayer to be answered a certain way is in relation to COVID. Um, I remember... I don't know if many of you remember, you know, it was uh, April 10th, I believe, is when we had the worldwide fast that President Nelson 
challenges to all participate in. And I remember after we had that fast, I remember just expecting to wake up on April 11th and the news would say, there's been this amazing miracle. All of a sudden COVID's gone. And so April 11th came and went and that wasn't on the news. So I woke up April 12th, like, okay, is today the day to see this miracle? And it wasn't. And then, you know, each day continuing, I kept thinking, well, where's the miracle? Like, what was the, what happened as a result of our faith of this, like uniting and fasting? I thought that this would go away. That was what I thought it would just immediately go away. And that the, the Lord would somehow miraculously cleanse the earth from COVID. And I've thought a lot about it. Does God have the power to do it? Absolutely. He totally could just eradicate COVID from the earth. He absolutely has the power to do it. But there's obviously a reason why he hasn't. And thankfully, we've been seeing some progress in places. For example, we live in New York, as I mentioned in our last episode, and things were really bad here for a while as a result of COVID. And it was really scary. I felt like I was kept thinking, I don't want to be living in New York. This is a, such a scary place to be during this time. But we've seen a great decrease as a, of cases. But you know, you still see some increasing cases throughout the United States. And so there's obviously a reason and I have not come obviously to a conclusion about this. I'm still in my mind trying to figure out, okay, so what's what are we supposed to be learning then as a result of COVID still being here? And that's something that I will continue probably to think about for a long time. But I I think it's a good example of a righteous desire because COVID has put a significant impact on our family when it comes to my husband's job, to Mike's job. It, I mean, thankfully, he still has one, but it was really scary for a little bit if he would have one or not, which... Um, with the new baby coming, that was really, it was really scary to us. So obviously there's a purpose and I will continue to pray about that, but I would just continue, I guess, to challenge you guys to think about some, some experiences in your life and reflect on maybe some lessons that you learned. And I wanted to finish this with kind of an analogy. Uh, we learn from, in Doctrine and Covenants, in section 121, that there's if those who are familiar with the story or those who are not, Joseph Smith has been imprisoned with along with some other people for his for his belief in God, just like Alma and Amulek were. The, his story, it's a little bit different. He is, eventually is released, um, so it has a happier ending than the story that Al, of Alma and Amulek. But it made me think about this pandemic and in Doctrine and Covenants section 121, verse 1, this is a really popular scripture in the church, but he says, O God, where art thou? And where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? And I think I find myself thinking that at times like, uh, don't you don't you realize that we still have this really bad pandemic? Like I find myself thinking like, hello, are you here? Are you here? Are you listening to all this? And um, he goes on to say, you know, how long do we have to suffer these scenes? And how long do the those that are followers of Joseph Smith, how long do they have to suffer these um, the trials that they were experiencing for their belief in Jesus Christ and their belief in the restoration of the gospel? And in verse six, he says, Remem- remember thy suffering saints. Like, and I, 
I find myself thinking that to remember like, hello, we're here. We're praying. We're, we, we have faith in you. Like, please remember that we are here and that we, we believe that you can perform miracles. So I, I felt that I related a lot with those verses. And then in the next or in verse seven, um, it says, this is Jesus Christ. This is in response to this prayer that Joseph Smith says, he says, my son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment. And then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph, triumph over all thy foes. And then in section 122, he says, know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. And I, as I read that, I found myself thinking of trying to relate this to this experience about what we're experiencing in the pandemic. And I think that obviously this can be related to any trial that we experience on this earth. And I, I think verse seven struck me where it says, thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment. And I've had the thought, I wonder when we look forward in 20 years or in 20 years, we look back on this time if it will seem like a small moment, and I guess in the in the terms of eternity, it will be such a small moment, but we are, I guess, asked to endure it well, and that if that all these things shall give us experience and shall be for our good. So, I think that was a powerful thing for me to remember, and I think that it can apply to this set of um, this chapter, Alma chapter 14, about trials that we face here on earth, that all these things shall be for our experience and shall be for our good. So I just encourage you guys to do some pondering about that of trials that you have are currently experiencing or maybe have experienced in the past and how those have been for your good in your life. Okay, so now we're going to pick up on Alma chapter 15. And thankfully, things start to get a little bit better. I feel like 14 was pretty heavy. And there was some deep stuff to to talk about there, but in Alma 15, we start to see things get a little bit better and we see some miracles happening. So this particular chapter teaches us all about repentance and the central role of Jesus Christ in that and in our life. And so just wanted to share some thoughts and insights about that. So at the end of Alma chapter 14, the Alma and Amulek are given the strength to deliver themselves from bondage and from prison. And it's in a pretty miraculous way, too, that they they break the cords and then the prison crumbles and they're the only people that survive that the prison just being destroyed. And people in the city, they obviously hear this big commotion and they come running and they see what's happening and they see Alma and Amulek are standing there and it talks about how they are, it says in um, Alma fourteen twenty nine that they flee... They flee from the presence of Alma and Amalek, even as a goat fleeth with her young from two lions. And so it's kind of intense. But so Alma and Amalek are free from prison. And from Ammonihah, they go to the land of Sidon. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But here they meet up with all the believers that were cast out from Ammonihah. And something that struck me in Alma chapter 15 towards the beginning is that the men, you learn that the men were were driven out. And then it was the, the, like I mentioned in the last section that the women and children were the one that were the ones that were burned for their belief. And so I can't imagine, I find myself thinking, what was that like for Alma and Amulek to see the believers and then have to recount 
everything they just witnessed and tell them about their women and their children who were just burned um, and their scriptures. Like, I can't imagine how terrible and sad that must have been for those people. But we learned that they meet up with these people. And um, we also learned that Zizram, who was originally as a wanted to destroy the liberty of the Nephites by his legal practice, he is in Sidon. Sidon. Sorry, hopefully I'm saying, if I'm if I'm butchering this, I apologize. But he is in Sidon with a burning fever, which was as a result of his wickedness, and he assumed that Alma and Amulek had been killed because of his actions. So he was really struggling and worrying about what he had done and how that had impacted Alma and Amulek. But then he learns that Alma and Amulek were in town, and he instantly sends for them. And in verse 5, we read that it came to pass that they went immediately obeying the message which he had sent to them. And I think it's really interesting. We learn a lot in about Alma. There's a lot of words like that verse says immediately. They immediately went to him. And um, and I think it's in Alma chapter 8 that once the angel tells Alma to go back to Ammonihah, he speedily returns. So I feel like that Alma is a good example of when he's, once he's commanded to do something or asked to do something, he is immediately obedient. So I think that he's a, a great example in a lot of ways. And that was one example to me. So once they get to Zizram, he asks them to heal them and they do. And from here, Zizram becomes a missionary. So obviously it's this amazing um, transformation of him, of being this really terrible man, persecuting them, to having this amazing change of heart, and then goes and becomes a missionary. So um, I'm sure many of us can think of, of examples of people in your life that you know. Maybe you also are one of those people who's had a, an amazing change of heart, where once you were believed something and were maybe doing things against what you knew you should have done, and then you had a change of heart experience, and now you live a completely different life. So Mike, again, is here, and he's going to share some examples about his experience, because he has had a mighty change of heart. And I, before he goes into detail, I wanted to kind of um, share something about him. So when I first, so when we first were, when we were first dating, we came to Ithaca, to meet his parents or for me to meet his parents. And then we came to church to meet his like ward family. And Michael will go into some more details about this particular man I'm going to talk about. But I remember at church, this man and his wife came up to us and were talking to me. And this man was one of Mike's old high school, middle school teachers. And I guess Mike was so bad in this man's class that he was kicked out and reassigned to a different class. Right. So, um, but this man told me that Mike was the ultimate example of how the gospel changes people. And I've always thought about that. So I thought that was a, a pretty cool testimony, I guess, to the change that Mike's experienced. So, um, so Mike, I want, I think we talked about this before, but I was wanting, hoping you could talk about two different things. Some things that you had to give up as a result of joining the church, but also some things that you gained as a result of your decision. So here's some Mike's thoughts. So joining the church, um, and I think this, the things that I share will be, will um, resonate with others who have joined the church, but also even those who are members of the church and decide to still make course changes. So, because uh, when we make changes, we, we end up having to give up some things. And so a lot of the immediate things I had to give up were um, relationships with friends, uh, 
I, I don't want to say that I was uh, the the most popular person, but um, I had friends and I was part of the lacrosse team and we were pretty good. And so uh, being part of the team came with parties and being with friends. And so I immediately had to, to leave that lifestyle behind. But I remember w- uh, the night before I was to be baptized and to finally make that decision to join the church completely. Uh, someone who I thought was, my, I thought we were friends and we had been friends up to that point. He said, I feel like I'm losing a, a friend. And I told him, no, you haven't lost me. I'm still, I'm, I'm still here. I just won't participate in certain things with you. But, um, and so I think that was one thing and having to give up certain habits, um, and then certain uh, cultural views or ideas on how maybe life was or this purpose um, and then certain moral uh, issues. Uh, but gaining, I, get, I have gained so much. Um, and interestingly, the two biggest, the two most important decisions I made in my life were to be baptized. And one was to, and the second was to marry my wife in the temple for time and all eternity. And I remember after we had finished the the temple sealing wedding ceremony, I told her that. I told her this was the second best decision I ever made because if I hadn't been baptized, I we wouldn't have gotten married. I wouldn't have I most likely would not have met her. And then we most likely would have never gotten married. But I have gained so much in return. I've gained uh I think I said this in the last podcast, but the gospel has really been a great quote-unquote manual in how to be a husband and how to be a father something that i didn't have as an i didn't have the best example in my own family but um and so as a result of joining the church i've i have uh, an amazing beautiful wife and an amazing son and then another one along the way and i really don't think i would have I know that I would not have uh, gotten this far in life and done some of the things that I have done without um, joining the church. Yeah, I feel like we have um, conversations a lot. I, if it's okay with you, Mike, I'm going to kind of expand on what you're talking about with your family. That there's times that you you tell me that you're afraid of being like your dad, which who was a wonderful man, but growing up maybe just wasn't the ideal father that that you wanted growing up, right? So, um, yeah, but so one thing is I always remind him, but you now are raising your sons with the gospel. Your father did not have that perspective, but you do. So you will raise them differently than how you were raised. And I think as a result of how you were raised, that gives you motivation to also raise things differently. And you wanted to share something else? (laughs) Yeah, and in connection with this, I, I forgot that it, uh, one of my favorite verses in this in this section is uh, chapter verse uh, chapter, chapter fifteen verse sixteen, and it came to pass that Alma and Amalek, Amalek having forsaken all his gold and silver and his precious things, which were in the land of Ammonihah for the word of God, he being rejected by those who were once his friends and also by his father and his kindred. I think this speaks volumes to Amulek and the sacrifices he made. And I've always been able to, felt like I was able to relate to that just as joining the church, losing friends, 
um, losing opportunities that I thought were amazing opportunities, but have gained so much in return. And just a little background, a little bit more background on Amulek. If you click on, or I guess if you have a digital or um, uh, a computer or a phone, um, clicking on the the um, footnote. Footnote. Geez, <laughs> I, I had a brain fart. Uh, in verse sixteen, the foot a it takes you to uh, Alma ten four, and it says, "Behold, this is Amulek speaking. I am also a man of no small reputation among those who know me. Yea, and behold, I have many kindreds and friends." And I have also acquired much riches by the hand of my industry. And so when we do join the church or when we do decide to make changes, um, we do have to give up things that I think in the immediate seem like uh, they're very difficult. Um, but I, I really like Amulek's example here of following the Spirit, following God, and um and I just relate so much to Amulek, and I'm so thankful that, again, having changed my life in 180 degrees to to the blessings I see now, um, and now living in Ithaca, we we returned to live here for a short stint, and it's been amazing to, to, to drive around town to look at um, where Heavenly Father had taken me all these years after coming home. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I felt like that he was a, Mike was a good example and conveniently lives in the same house as me to share some example of a change of heart. So uh, the challenge I wanted to leave at the end of this chapter is what to ask you particular to think about what are you willing to sacrifice in order to become a more faithful disciple? And this is something that I need to think about as well is what am I willing to give up? I know that life can be very distracting and I am very guilty of getting caught up in the distractions of life. But I think it's a good reminder, just as Alma, Alma Amulek gave up. And also, also Alma, Alma, he had a change of heart. He was living a different lifestyle and then um, became someone different. So Alma and Amulek really are a missionary powerhouse because they both experienced this amazing change of heart. But what are you willing to sacrifice in order to become a more faithful disciple? And I'll post that question also on the social media pages to continue to remind you throughout the week. But before we end chapter 15, this is not to do with anything that we just talked about, but something I I read that I felt like was pretty endearing about the end of this chapter. But um, in Alma chapter 15, verse 18, it says, and now, or now, as I said, Alma, having seen all these things, therefore he took Amulek and came over to the land of Zarahemla and took him to his own house, and did a minister unto him in his tribulation, and strengthened him in the Lord. And I think what I love about that scripture is the tables have kind of turned here. If we remember back a few chapters, that Amulek was this did this exact same thing to Alma after he had been kicked out of um, Ammonihah, and he was so discouraged. Or he had come back then, I guess at that point, but he was still feeling discouraged. Amulek took Alma, who at that point was, I believe he had been fasting, right? Or he, um, so he was hungry and thirsty and he was downtrodden and he was really discouraged. And Amulek built him up, strengthened him. And so I think it's interesting now to see how Alma is now being that same person for Amulek. And I just thought that was a really neat scripture to show that sometimes we are the ones that strengthen other people and sometimes we 
then the tables turn and they strengthen us. So I just love that, that thought at the end of that chapter there. Okay. So finishing up this, this set of chapters, we're going to end now in Alma chapter 16. And the, the main lesson that that book of Mormon study manual points out about this chapter is we learn that the wicked will be held accountable for their actions. And excuse me, in Alma chapter 16, we learn that the people in Ammonihah, which has been this terrible city, they obviously um, destroyed the believers, that their city ends up being destroyed. And in Alma chapter 16, verses 9 through 10, I'm going to read that to see what happens. But it says, And thus ended the eleventh year of the judges, the Lamanites having been driven out of the land, and the people of Ammonihah were destroyed. Yea, every living soul of the Ammonihah, Ammonihai, Ammonihites, I don't know if that's exactly how you say it, was destroyed, and also their great city, which they said God could not destroy because of its greatness. But behold, in one day it was left desolate, and the carcasses were mingled by dogs and the wild, and wild beasts of the wilderness. Kind of a graphic um, image there, but I think that this there's some important lessons to learn from this chapter. And um, kind of a funny thing, I, that sounds terrible for me to say something funny after that really sad thing, but um, I what made me kind of chuckle inside is that my husband really loves murder mystery shows because he loves that the bad guys always get caught and that good always prevails over evil. And so he, he's a big fan of that because he feels like sometimes life just isn't fair. And so he likes watching those shows to learn that bad guys get what's coming to them. So, um, that's one thing we learned from Alma chapter 16 is that the wicked will be held, held accountable for their actions and we learned earlier when Alma or Amulek was telling Alma, like, let us do something about this experience. Let's stop. Let's save these people. That Alma's response is that, you know, their blood will come up as a testimony against the people who did this to them. And here we are two chapters later and it's happened. And it might, it's obviously not always that immediate that people who may do terrible things to us are immediate. They receive their um, I guess consequences so quickly, but it, it, we learn here that it happens. And I think that this is also a good example to me, not just because I don't believe I'm a wicked person that I'm doing all these terrible things. And I don't believe anybody who's listening to this podcast is wicked either and doing all these terrible things. But I think it's a good reminder that our actions have consequences. And so that's one thing I really liked. And one takeaway that I, I think I took away from this chapter is the things that we do do have consequences and it's a good reminder of the power that we have as an individual person and who we're impacting the people and that were destroyed in Ammonihah had a significant impact on those believers and Alma and Amulek and here they um they got what was coming I guess in a way and so I think it's a good it helps me want to be a better person because I don't want, and I would never obviously do the things that the people of Ammonihah did, but I, it just gives me greater motivation to leave people happier or in a better place from my experience with them than not. And so I just also wanted to leave a challenge for everyone listening to think about that, how our, our, our actions do have an impact on other people. 
And to think about that and to think about how we interact with our, with our fellow men every day and how we, um, do we leave them in a better place than what we, how we found them? Do we lift them up and strengthen them or do we not? And maybe we've done, haven't done the best in the past, but all, I think what's great about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ is that they care more about where we're going than about where we've been. And that they care about who we can become and not who we were. So I think that's a good reminder as well. So that's the end of this podcast. I hope that you felt the spirit. I hope that you learned something. I would be interested to hear what you guys learned as you read these particular chapters, Alma chapter 13 through 16. And if you would be so kind, I'd love for you to share that with me. I have the Facebook page, um, come follow me for you and me. And then an Instagram page, come follow me underscore for you and me. And if you send me a message, I would love to share. I would love to hear what you are learning as you take away from these lessons. And again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your love and support. I hope that you find this valuable and that you uh, feel the spirit. So until next time, I'll talk to you then.